This is The Guardian. Today, Britain's biggest police force is racist, sexist and homophobic. Can it change? Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The report was officially released to us on Monday morning under embargo. Vikram Dodd is The Guardian's crime correspondent. On Monday morning, he was given early access to a landmark report into London's Metropolitan Police. It's 363 pages, and so the initial reaction, because you're trying to get your head around as much of it as you can, get the broad shape, was, blimey, this is very big. Vikram's covered policing in London for decades. Even still, what he read that morning left him feeling physically sick. Not for the first time when it came to the Met in the last two years. I felt somewhat nauseous, if I'm I'm honest. The stories about a Muslim officer having bacon put in his boots, a Sikh officer being forcibly having his beard cut, women who were sexually attacked whilst working at the Met... Was just thinking about the people I've known over the years who've been in, in at senior positions of the Met, who by and large work very hard, pretty bright, I'd say are, you know, pretty decent people, and just thinking, God, I mean, did they miss this out of negligence? Did they miss this because they knew what was going on and it was effectively turning a blind eye? Everybody knew Louise Casey's review into the Met would be pretty critical. But what she released this week was a bomb under one of England's most important institutions, one that the Met may not survive. For the Met, it's clearly an existential threat. Casey explicitly says, if you don't get yourself sorted out, consideration has to be given to breaking you up. A review of the Metropolitan Police has found institutional racism, misogyny and homophobia. It finds consent is broken. Management of the force has failed. It finds the Met is failing women and children. This review, born out of the murder of Sarah Everard, found that even the policing of her vigil further damaged confidence. They are very reluctant to accept that there are problems. They are completely in denial organisationally. And piles pressure on the commissioner to drastically change how the biggest police force in the country is behaving. If it doesn't, it could run the risk of having the Met broken up. So what did Casey uncover? Can it be fixed? And is the force charged with protecting London even worth saving? From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus, how the Met lost Londoners' trust. (music) 
Vikram, the road to this watershed moment for the Met begins with a terrible crime. Tell me about it. Baroness Casey was commissioned by the then Met Commissioner, Dane Cressida Dick. This was in the aftermath, the immediate aftermath of Wayne Cousins being sentenced uh, in 2021. And what happens is this. So Sarah Everard is abducted, raped and murdered by Wayne Cousins in March of 2021. Pretty soon, the Met identify him as being the culprit. It's only at sentence that the public finds out the full facts of the case. And clearly, the fact a serving police officer had done this is horrific enough. But the fact he uses his position as a police officer, his knowledge as a police officer, he, we believe, stops Sarah on the pretext that she's broken COVID laws. The Met have her briefing immediately after the sentence, which is a car crash. This is the infamous briefing where they're asked what women who are worried should do and they talk about waving down a bus. And I remember I was in the room at the time when they had that briefing, just thinking, how on earth, when you know that this is coming, do you not just think about certain basic things? They seem surprised anybody links cousins to broader police culture. They seem surprised anybody links cousins to questions emerging evidence about misogyny in the police itself. So Cressida Dick realises that this isn't... They basically messed this up big time uh, and decides that under pressure from London Mayor Sidney Khan, she will have her own inquiry, eventually appoints Baroness Casey, who's a what's known in journalese as a Whitehall troubleshooter, had done some stuff for when Labour was in power. We had part one a few months ago, which looked at internal... Met discipline, and part one was very damaging. We kind of got the sense part two was going to be as problematic for the Met, if not worse. And boy, did it deliver on that. And how did Louise Casey actually carry out the review? Who did she talk to as part of it? Casey had full access to the Met and its documentation and staff. Lots and lots and lots of people who are serving in the Met as officers and civilian staff talked to her. She had access to documentation. There's no mention made of anything being blocked or anything being denied to her. So in terms of is it independent, yep, looks it. Some people might feel it actually doesn't go far enough, but it's certainly, it earns those words which are going around as we speak about blistering and highly critical. The final report was published yesterday, and it's a shocking, shocking read. It accuses the police of being unable to police themselves. It says they failed women and children. It says the force is institutionally racist, sexist, and homophobic. Let's dig into some of these headlines, starting with Casey's conclusion about misogyny and sexism. What does that mean in real terms? What kind of examples did you point to? A number of instances she details, such as women who are literally um, have crimes committed against them by other male officers, not being believed, not having their complaints investigated, in fact, sometimes being victimised when they speak out, uh, name-calling, uh, inappropriate touching. 12% of women say they suffered sexual attack or that sort of level of incident whilst working at the Met. Wow. 33% say they've experienced sexism whilst working at the Met. So these are pretty high numbers. So I think the case 
she would make is this isn't isolated incidents or every so often it happens. It's so frequent that it's essentially baked in into the way the organisation does its business. Hmm. And obviously those cases are not confined to the way that police treat each other, but also in the way that the police relate to the public. What kind of sexism, misogyny did she point to in terms of the way that that London police are handling cases and are dealing with, with people in London? She quotes an officer who says that so few rapists are brought to justice that effectively rape is legal in London. For instance, she says that during austerity, the Met had to save lots of money and it, what it effectively did was deprioritise services for women and children. And so those services just are terrible. For instance, she cites the example of rape kits being kept in defective fridges, fridges that just don't work, fridges that are too full. And what's happening is that samples are taken, those samples are put in fridges, which then don't work, the sample is spoiled, cases are dropped, so effectively rapists are walking free because of these errors. You can compare this to other sections where she talks about the very male-dominated specialist units such as firearms, where money seems to rain down like confetti. They're really well-resourced, and on top of that, she cites instances of them defrauding the public, getting iPads, which they don't need, getting night vision goggles, which they can't possibly use in London, getting various bits of camouflage they can't use in London, hotel stays, which have nothing to do for work. I want to get to those specialist units, but before we do, Casey also labelled the Met institutionally racist, not for the first time in its history. What did she point to in support of that conclusion? High levels of experiences of racist behaviour by ethnic minority officers and staff. Much higher chance that ethnic minority officers, especially black officers, will face discipline or misconduct proceedings. She also points to stop and search being disproportionately targeted at black communities and, frankly, use of powers, those coercive powers, taser, um, hands-on members of the public being much more likely to be directed at black people than their white Londoners. She lacerates stop and search. It is a racist practice. It is carried out in a discriminatory way. And I know it's not as dramatic as somebody being murdered or really horrible, serious crime. Number of times, just in my real world life, somebody's talked to me about their kid being stopped and searched in the street, and you just know that low level feeling well, that feeling they have of being humiliated and picked on is so pernicious. And especially for a young kid, it really burns them. One thing I found surprising was the makeup of the force, which Casey found was completely out of sync with the city the Met actually polices. Why does the Met look so different to London? Well, read the report. Uh, Would you want your kid to join that if you were black or Asian or female? This has been going on for a long, long, long time. They're given a target, every force is given a target to have the same number of ethnic minority officers as ethnic minorities in the population, and pretty much every single one, despite being given a decade to hit that target, misses it, and then a target is dropped. 
So the Met would say, we try hard and we've got the highest number of ethnic minority officers or highest proportion of any force, which is true. Uh, problem is that London's population is about 43% ethnic minority. And if anything, that proportion will grow. So that race gap will grow bigger and bigger. Casey estimates it'll take 30 years at the current rate of progress for the Met to look like the city it serves. There's other estimates which say it'll be longer than that. And as a result of, of that race gap, as a result of the severe problems that the black and minority officers face inside the Met, what did she say about the levels of distrust among the public when it came to the police? There's a well-known confidence gap. Black people, especially in London, have less confidence and trust in the Met. That now has been joined by women post Cousins and Carrick. Uh, Gay people uh, also have less trust and confidence in the police. And frankly, if you look at the official confidence survey for the Met, there are collapsed to 50% in the last survey. That 50% figure has been as low as 49, which some would say means the Met has now lost legitimacy. The reason that is so crucial is that British policing and the Met is founded on the principle that policing is not done to people. It's not a militia wandering around clubbing people over their head. It's done with the consent of people. That's where they get their legitimacy. And from that legitimacy flows the right to use uniquely coercive powers, use force if needs be, put your hands on a fellow citizen if needs be. And also, if you have trust and confidence, people come to you, tell you stuff. Frankly, your job becomes a darn sight easier. Vikram, some of the very worst behaviours identified in the review were linked to these specialist units, the ones who get to carry guns, whose members included people like Wayne Cousins, as well as David Carrick, the ex-police officer convicted of dozens of offences, including 48 counts of rape. What is going on inside those particular units? Supervision management was weak. People did what they wanted to. She cites an instance of a black officer being called a gate monkey which she terms correctly as a racist term Uh, women having a horrible time hugely male dominated uh, and parliamentary and diplomatic protection is the unit to which both Carrick and Cousins belonged Vikram these are obviously astonishing conclusions I want to understand how the Met actually reached this point Casey herself explored some of the reasons starting with austerity How have those policies over the last decade or so impacted on the Met? So Casey will say austerity is part of it. It disfigured the Met and her estimate it has cost them about £700 million compared to how much money they would have had if uh, austerity hadn't happened. It has to be pointed out that the Met is better funded per head of population than any other force. So I would have thought when the Met talks about austerity, disfiguring it, other chiefs around the country will roll their eyes a bit. So she says austerity meant that the Met had to reform. It sold off lots of estate, but it was the choices it made which showed its values. So, for instance, children's services and protection of women suffered. Essentially, the example she'll indicate that if 
certain things such as a murder, if a woman is murdered, you get a murder team, 20 detectives, really experienced detectives on the case. If it's a rape, you may well get somebody who isn't actually a properly trained detective, very little experience, and the quality of investigation is just so substandard compared to other serious crimes. So that would be one example of austerity. And, and neighbourhood policing, that is the cops you see local to you. Your first point of contact as a citizen, that was decimated. And she says, effectively, there's a really poor neighbourhood policing offer in London. Hmm. One of those choices was about the way that the Met policed itself. What did Casey have to say about that in the report? So away from austerity, there are just other general issues which have been bubbling along in the Met and just been getting worse and worse. So vetting is terrible. The ability to identify officers who are problematic and bordering on criminal is awful. When they are, the processes are terrible. High rates of people who have allegations against them being left in the force. For instance, so we can look at David Carrick, since we now know the details about him and the legal restrictions have been lifted. Each allegation against him, and there were nine in total, are looked in isolation, as bizarre as this sounds. Nobody sits down and says, hang on a second, maybe one allegation, there's um, no smoke, but there's no fire, but three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. And that happens over and over and over again with the Met discipline side. So that's one stream of inadequacy that causes problems for the force, for fellow officers and for the public. Yeah. The report also says that the kinds of crimes the Met has been investigating over recent years has changed. How have they changed and how does that feed into the rot in the system? What you've had generally in terms of the crimes and issues police are dealing with is that crimes have become more complex. There was a huge explosion in reporting of sexual crimes to police. It's called the Savile Effect after revelations about the entertainer Jimmy Savile. Uh, You've had an increase in reporting of domestic violence and domestic abuse to police. And also you've had just more demands. You've had, you know, everybody has a smartphone. Now when police investigate, they need to get electronic devices and get material out of that, which takes huge amounts of time and produces huge amounts of material which has to be gone through. So crime types have changed somewhat, and those investigations are now more demanding, more time-consuming, need more specialist resource. Casey also found that when officers do behave poorly or criminally, the process for investigating them basically doesn't work. You've given us an extreme example with David Carrick, but what about other officers that are accused of lesser misconduct? What do we know about the process of actually investigating those, those cases? process for them is the same for Carrick. So it takes ages and ages. I think it's around about the 400 days mark for... Wow, uh, over a year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's internal. We're talking internal discipline. If you're talking about something which goes to the uh, police watchdog, the Independent Office for Police Conduct, that can go on for years. So it takes too long. It's too ineffective. It appears to be, I think the working theory is, too many people who are identified, be it by colleagues or members of the public, then get away with it and are left to sit in the Met. 
And was there any sense of how often officers who are investigated for misconduct are actually found guilty and punished? I know that's something Mark Rowley, the current commissioner, has flagged as an issue and something he's been trying to get a grip on. The best estimate at the moment is that in the Met, it's probably several hundred people are there who shouldn't be there. That's the figure that Mark Rowley would probably point to. Others put it a much higher than that, that you're probably talking about you know, around the 1,500, 2,000 mark. That's for a variety of reasons. That's being misogynist, racist, homophobic, some who fail their vetting, who can't do a full range of policing jobs and therefore are having to be paid but can't actually do the full set of duties. At the moment, the Met is doing a review of those officers who've had past allegations of violence against women or domestic abuse that's a roughly a thousand cases they're going through. Now, certainly, certainly not all thousand of those will be found to be problematic, but there's an expectation that a reasonable number will be found to have not been handled correctly. So the mantra that's going around the Met and policing is that it will get worse for some time before it starts to get better. This is obviously a huge failure of leadership. What did Casey have to say about the people who have actually been running the Met over recent years, including Mark Rowley, but also Cressida Dick, who was in charge until last year? I can summarise what Casey says about the Met leadership like this, which was, what the hell were you doing? What the hell were you thinking? How did you let it come to this? There's a song by Delamitri, Always the Last to Know, and that seems to me to some of the Met leadership. Uh, the issue, I guess, going forward is were past leaderships negligent or did they know this was going on and turned a blind eye or covered it up? You have, if you go back to 2021, a report by Nula alone into the murder of the private eye Daniel Morgan. This is a private eye found dead with an axe in his head in a pub car park in South London in 1987. No one ever convicted. The Met accepts there was huge corruption in that case which helped shield his killers from facing justice. That report in 2021 finds that the Met is institutionally corrupt and the way it gets to that conclusion is by saying that the Met is more concerned about protecting its reputation than rooting out wrongdoing. And Casey, in question and answer, I asked her about Morgan, says yes, that label should apply. Other inquiries have just been obstructed by the Met. They've made it as difficult as possible for those inquiries to get the material they need. She talks, for instance, she cites an example of a scandal in the Met where leaders were celebrating limiting the damage as opposed to addressing the actual issues which caused the problem. It's that sort of culture. Coming up, the blueprint for building a new Met. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Today in Focus is supported by better help. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, 
What would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus. Vikram, those with long enough memories will feel like we've been here before. In 1999, in the wake of the killing of Stephen Lawrence, which happened 30 years ago next month, the McPherson report accused the Met of institutional racism and made 70 recommendations for how to improve it. Given that, how did we get here 24 years later with a new report that finds not only is the Met still institutionally racist, it's gotten worse. It's now also misogynistic and homophobic. How did that happen? Well, I'll try and give you an answer in uh, 30, 40 seconds. Uh, Casey had about a year and a bit to have a crack at this. So what the commissioner, Mark Riley, would say is we haven't been tough enough in protecting our integrity, haven't spotted how big an issue it can be and how pernicious it could be. Essentially, it's self-inflicted. It's nobody made it do this. It's It's a cumulative failure of leadership, of cultures, of facing up to things. It says the Met is defensive, insular. It doesn't listen to criticism. It doesn't like scrutiny. It obstructs efforts to correct its behaviour. Casey very much points out that you've had warning after warning, official report after official report, and you just don't change. What I think has happened is the cases of Cousins and Carrick are so spectacularly awful and unarguable. Our Cousins and Carrick one-offs isolated from what's going on in the broader bit. No, says Casey, they are in part because of the cultures in the Met and the way it does its business and manages its people. Their acts clearly are their responsibility and their culpability and they deserve all the chelsea they get. But the Met made error after error that put them in a place where they could continue offending or offend in the way they did. And if the Met didn't get that before, how deep the rock goes after McPherson, after the other reviews, do they get it now? That, as they say, is the $64,000 question. Do they? Will they? Mark Rowley broadly saying the right things. I think he's, if not impressed people, then certainly not uh, put people's nose out of joint. You have to say, given the Met's history, you would say, no, it's it's not going to get it. As 
an old hand who knows the Matt and was very senior there told me it's like turning around an oil tanker. Mark Rowley talks about turning it around in his five-year term as commissioner that, frankly, if he stops the bleeding in five years, he'll have done very well. Uh, that the Met may be beyond redemption. Casey talks about if it can't improve, it may have to be dismembered. That's the key threat to the Met and its sense of pride as an institution. It's Britain's largest police force founded in 1829. It used to pride itself on being a force apart, the best force in Britain, frankly, the best force in the world. Casey offers a roadmap out of this for the Met, which he calls a program of radical reform. Tell me about some of those solutions that, that she's put forward. I mean, she's, she's got a series of recommendations and reforms. The broad one is, you know, just get your act together. Just do the basics right. Uh, she's talking about potentially setting up a women's protection command to boost those services and those efforts and, frankly, catch more bad men doing horrible things. On parliamentary and diplomatic protection, she said she says effectively disband it, start again. And on race, she's talking about basically it's the Met getting it. She finds it's institutionally racist, misogynistic and homophobic. It's interesting, the first divergence between her and the commissioner emerged on the breakfast interviews Rowley did on Tuesday morning. I understand that Louis is using that term. I don't use the institutional label myself simply because um, it's got multiple definitions, multiple understandings, so it's ambiguous. And also, frankly, it's become politicised in debate. So I have to use sort of straightforward language, but I'm not demurring at all. From you the are saying it's about the problem. more than individual. Vikram, on Tuesday morning, the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak declined to say if he felt like his daughters could trust the Met in the wake of this shocking report. Of course, uh, you know, we need the answer to that question to be yes. But is the answer yeah. yes? Well, uh, clearly at the moment, that trust in the police has been hugely damaged by the things that we've discovered over the Even past year. Even your trust? Uh, everybody's trust, but what we need to do is... Other than that, what has the political response been? The Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, came out and said she believed in Mark Rowley's commitment to reform. The report is clear that there are systemic and chronic uh, problems with leadership and culture, and what we need to do also accepted there were huge problems with the Met. Ditto the Mayor of London, Steve Khan. Today is without doubt one of the darkest days in the history of our almost 200 year old Met police service, but it's incredibly important. He's also going to be chairing a new oversight board for the Met, which is a bit like it being in permanent special measures. Uh, I think the political reaction has been one of outrage, one of shock. Here, Starmer issued a statement uh, saying that, you know, real change was needed. So I think political-wise, if you're looking at what matters, does Mark Rowley appear to have confidence in his commissionership? Yep, the people who matter are still saying the right things and saying the right things, I think, in private and in public. But there is a sense of how long can this go on? How long does he have? And... Unlike other commissioners, there's, he's, he can afford very few missteps, if any. This report is obviously about the Met, but as you said, it's the biggest, the most influential police force in the country. Is it likely to have an impact on those other police forces? Well, first of all, other police forces have their issues. 
But this is not just a London issue for this reason. First of all, because of its sheer scale and size, the Met is about a quarter of policing. Second, it has national responsibilities, mainly for counter-terrorism. That would be the key one people know. Thirdly, chiefs around the country are finding that their trust and confidence is being dragged down by the Met and the media coverage of that. In a sense, for the British, it's changed your sense of what a police officer is. And as Casey puts it, we want to be protected by police officers not to have to be kept safe from them. What Casey says is that black people have known this for some time, and what's happening now is that collapsing confidence that happened in certain black communities is now happening in the general population, and that is potentially not just toxic for policing and, frankly, for law and order in this country, but also potentially really problematic for us as a society. I mean, you've been a journalist covering these issues for decades. You covered the McPherson Report in 1999 and other reviews into the way the Met operates in the years since. What is your instinct? Will they get it? Will they change this time? I think the emotional response is they have to, and surely they will, and common sense would dictate that they must. But we've been on that road. We've done that radio before, and we are where we are. You know, he's got a Mark Rowley's a maths graduate. He has to re-engineer the gravity of history. Common sense and common decency would suggest that the Met would have got it. But well, the result has been what Casey found. So if you were looking at it rationally... You would say, does it reform enough? No. Does it reform somewhat? Maybe. It's whether they get it and it's whether they want to get it. Vikram, thank you so much. No worries. That was Vikram Dodd, The Guardian's crime correspondent, whose coverage of Louise Casey's review into the Met you can follow at theguardian.com. And that is it for today. This episode was produced by Alex Atak and Tom Glasser with help from Mabel, Banfield and Wachi. Sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Homer Khalili. And we'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.